Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Indie Talk Podcast. Well, what happened was, I'll give you a little behind the curtain type of deal here. My microphone went out on me, and I recorded my last podcast and didn't know that it wasn't recording because the microphone was not working. <laughs> Again, all the stuff that happens to you, I guess, when you're a rookie in this business. So, what we're going to do is, is because I've already watched the following week's Ring of Honor and Lucha Underground, so we're having a special, I guess you could call it a double episode today. We're going to talk about the last two weeks of Ring of Honor TV, the last two episodes of Lucha Underground. That's a lot of stuff to go over. I did want to go over another indie show, but uh, because of what happened, that kind of is out the window now, so I just want to keep everybody updated on Ring of Honor and Lucha Underground. Of course, we're coming up on Ultima Lucha as well as Death Before Dishonor, the iPay-per-view for Ring of Honor. So we've got a couple big shows. The G1 has started. Uh, you should see the my report on night one, probably by tomorrow. So look for that on Strong Style Wrestling Podcast. But uh, let's get into this one because it's going to be a little bit of a longer show than usual. And, uh, we'll try to get through it as quickly but as informative as possible, as we always do. So we'll start with Ring of Honor TV uh, from July 15th. And the show opens up. We have a match. It's Adam Page versus Matt Seidel. Uh, of course, uh, if you don't know, you should know by now. Matt Seidel, the former Evan Bourne, who's been reborn in Ring of Honor. And his, oh, his ticking his game to a, a tremendously higher level. Uh, in this match, he looks really good early on. He goes for a baseball slide as he had Paige outside the ring, but he moves out the way and he clocks Kobe Carino, who is still working as the young boy for Adam Page. Uh, Page then hits that shooting star shoulder block, which I'm going on record of saying I don't really understand. <laughs> it looks awesome. Just don't understand the reason for it. Side out ones up coming back. And he has Paige on the ropes a bit there. He gets him down, hits a standing moonsault for two. Uh, Paige then winds up catching Matt and hitting a fireman carry into a backbreaker. Sidal comes back with a jumping knee. Then the shooting star press and gets the win, kind of almost out of nowhere. Two and a half stars. It's a decent match. This ended a little abruptly. After the match, BJ Whitmer attacks Matt Sidal. ACH runs in. But instead of going after Whitmer, he went after Paige, who was already down. I thought that was strange. But he's beating up Paige. So, of course, BJ, who has a chair, uh, hits ACH with the chair. And at this point, Colby is now tossing chair after chair into the ring. Adam Page is up. He stacks the chairs up and gives uh, Seidel the right of passage pile driver on top of them. And uh, they're really playing up a Seidel injury at this point. Uh, they leave the ring. ACH... And medical staff are looking at Seidel. So, uh, I don't know if Seidel is legitimately injured and needed some time off or what have you. Uh, but hopefully he won't be going too long because I really love Matt Seidel here at Ring of Honor. And uh, he's one of the probably top five to seven guys in his company right now for me. And so I really enjoy his matches. So I hope uh, he won't be uh, out, quote unquote, uh, too long. And so Adam Page... Uh, you know, again, good match. 
I just feel, no, I think the problem is, I think I need to see Adam Page get away from this lame decade gimmick, which is really, I'm sorry, but the decade is like the lamest thing in all of Ring of Honor. And I think he needs to get out of that and go on his own so I can kind of see him without that bad taste in my mouth of him being aligned with BJ Whitmer and the whole Kobe Carino stupidity, which I'm just not liking the angle at all. So I'd really like to see Adam Page break away in his own so I can really get a fresh view of what I think of him. Because he might be good, uh, but it's hard for me to get into him because I just hate uh, the decade and everything that he's aligned with them. Uh, after the commercial break, Vita Scott comes out, cutting another painfully bad promo, hyping Cedric Alexander's match with Moose at the upcoming Death Before Dishonor. Uh, you know, Vita's hot, but she's much hotter when she doesn't speak. Our next match, Silas Young versus Will Ferrara. Of course, Will Ferrara, the runner-up in the rookie uh, tournament that they do, that uh, Donovan Dijak one. The kid is out wrestling Sidus early on, but uh, the Sidus hits a suplex. He starts to go on offense. Ferrara comes back, though. Hits a drop kick and a tornado DDT for a near fall. Gets a modified sunset flip for another two count. And Sidus hits this DDT in the corner. It does look really stiff the way, the way Ferrara hit. It does look like uh, he really hit the uh, mat head first. Uh, probably just good work by his on his behalf, but it just looked really good. And then all of a sudden, outrun Dalton Castle's boys. Uh, Young is about to hit misery on Ferrara when he sees them. He drops Will, moves towards the boys who are like, you know, doing, I don't know what they're doing on the ropes. And uh, Will sneaks in behind, rolls him up. One, two, three. After Silas goes right after the boys, he hits a rope hung DDT on one of them. And then picks him back up and delivers misery. Two stars on the match. I was really not happy to see Sidus lose another match. I think they're really missing the boat with this guy. I think he's one. Of, he could be one of the top guys in this company if they give him a chance. I just think he's a little different than everybody. I don't know. I just I think he's really good in the ring, and I like his uh, character. So I really hope that uh, this isn't the. Uh, the beginning of uh, him becoming a jobber here for Ring of Honor. We get an inside Ring of Honor uh, segment with Mandy Leone. She talks about the Moose and Cedric Alexander feud. And uh, so it's clips of all that, but we've already seen all that and gone over it. And then it's time for our main event. It's Jay Lethal defending the television championship against Mark Briscoe. Uh, early in the match, Truth Martini looks to get involved, but out comes ODB to even things up. Mark uses that scenario to start taking over. Uh, at one point, they start trading chops in the middle of the ring, and the crowd uh, giving up the woos. Mark hits a beautiful over-the-head belly-to-belly throw, then a corner clothesline, followed by a running lariat. Uh, in runs Jay Diesel, but Mark gets the better of him. And he tosses Jay Diesel out without ever getting hit. So the referee, you know, you can interfere all you want. As long as you don't hit him, there's no DQ. Another rule I never understood. But uh, he tosses Diesel out the ring. Uh, but after he does that, he gets caught by a step-up Enziguri, courtesy of Lethal. See what I mean? Diesel didn't touch him, but he caused him to get hit by Lethal. Why is this not a DQ? 
Uh, Jay now looks to wear down the challenger. Uh, Mark comes back, turns Jay inside out with a clothesline. Then hits a fisherman buster, but only gets a two. Lethal connects with a super kick, goes for the lethal injection, but Mark turns that into a release German suplex. And the match spills out to the floor where Mark connects with the cactus elbow. Mark tosses Jay in the ring, goes up top. Martini tries to get involved, but uh, he gets taken out by ODB. Donovan Dijak runs out, but Jay Briscoe runs out right behind him and stops him from interfering. Uh, Jay Diesel returns, and he goes after Jay Briscoe as well. And while all this is going on, Jay Diesel is still just lying in the ring. Mark looks around, says, okay, hits the froggy bow. One, two, no. Jay kicks out. And then Jay does a dive and just wipes out ODB. Then we get, then we get this stupid thing of the idiot referee goes out to check on ODB. Why is ODB in the match? No. Why is he checking on her? I don't know. But while he's doing this, this allows Jay Diesel to come in the ring and hit Mark with a low blow, allowing Jay to hit the lethal injection, which of course now the referee, uh, Todd, Realizes, oh yeah, there's a match going on. And then we run in and count to three, which he does. And uh, Jay Lethal retains the title. Uh, it was a pretty good match with that freaking ending. I just, I can't stand that stupid finish. Why is the referee concerned with ODB? It's one of the worst gimmicks ever. And Ring of Honor does it constantly. Uh, I give the match three stars, but it lost at least... At least half a star based on that. It was a really fun match. But a little overbooked. Too much interference. And then that stupid finish. Uh, and you killed what was... When they actually were in the ring against each other. It was really entertaining. Uh, after the match, the uh, House of Truth are stomping out Jay Briscoe in the ring. But Roddy Strong was on commentary. And uh, he comes in for the save. Grabs a microphone after he cuts a promo on Lethal, challenging the House of Truth to a six-man tag next week for the 200th episode of Ring of Honor TV. ODB grabs the mic and says, no, 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 there's eight of us. Let's make it an eight-person tag. So Lethal agrees, much to Martini's chagrin. And we have our main event for the 200th episode of Ring of Honor. Uh, Got to be, be honest, on paper, that's a pretty big mismatch. Uh, the Briscoes, Roderick Strong, and ODB versus Jay Lethal, Donovan Dijak, Jay Diesel, and Truth Martini. That's not, uh, maybe we'll get, uh, I was kind of hoping, you know, maybe we'll see somebody, maybe a new member of House of Truth show up or something to uh, replace Martini to at least make that look somewhat uh, of a more competitive match. But we'll see. We'll talk about that show and about that match a little later on. But right now, we're going to talk about Lucha Underground Episode 38 as we count down to Ultima Lucha. This show opens up in Dario's office where he's sitting with Pentagon Jr. Uh, Dario is showing him he has four medallions left and asks if he wants to compete for one tonight. But Pentagon says no. Dario... Says maybe he'll just give him one. And Pentagon says if his master wanted the medallions, then Pentagon would have broken Dario's arm and taken them. 
<laughs> Great stuff. I love Pentagon Jr. Uh, he has become, he might be my favorite wrestler in the world right now. What he says is he doesn't want the medallions, but he wants it to destroy Vampiro. He says he's going to, one way or another, make him, uh, you know, accept his challenge. And before he leaves, Dario asks him, you know, when is, you're going to find out who your master is. And he tells him, when I prove myself is when the master will reveal himself. So I'm really not sure who the master is at this point. I was so sure it was Capiro all along. But now I don't know with the whole, you were going to set him on fire. So that doesn't look like you were, you were going to set your master on fire. So I just don't know what's happening here. Uh, maybe it's Conan. Uh, and you'll wonder why. And we'll know, I'll tell you later in the show about what happened with Conan. And maybe set up for Conan. In some way, I don't know, but uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll know Ultima Lucha who the master is. As for the segment, it was another great one. As <laughs> Lucha Underground and great segments become uh, commonplace, we get our first match tonight. It's Delavar Davari versus Bengala. Uh, this is a medallion match, so whoever gets the win will get one of the sacred seven medallions. Bengala. Uh, all in white, wearing a white tiger's mask. So he's supposed to be a white Bengal tiger. And, uh, okay. I, I don't know much about him, but I'm interested to see what he's got here. Match starts out fairly quick, uh, but some interference by Big Rick right away stops Bengali, who looked strong at the outset, but uh, that ends quick with Big Rick's interference. But Bengali comes back, he hits a nifty DDT into a cradle maneuver. Really nicely done. Only gets a two count, though. Bengali then takes out Big Rick with a suicida. Comes back in via top rope, but Davari's waiting for him. Gives him a top rope superplex for a near fall. Then he calls Big Rick to come on the apron as he looks to, uh, you know, hurl Bengali into him. But uh, Bengala, Bengala, I should say, switches it, and Big Rick clocks Davari. Bengala hits a roll through German suplex, kind of like the Chaos Theory, if you remember Doug Williams used to use as his finisher. Um, not as good as Doug Williams does it, but it's kind of the same thing. And he gets the victory with it. Two stars, and that's pretty much for a shocking ending, because I did not think Davari would not win. So Bengala... Now, owner of one of the seven medallions. After the match, Vampiro leaves the announce desk and heads to the ring as he wants to address the crowd. And we go to a commercial. When we return, Vampiro cuts a promo on his career, how he's content, that it's over, he had his time, it's done, he has no ego. But Pentagon is doing everything he can to get him to wrestle one more match, which of course... Is the key phrase to get the fans to chant one more match, which of course they, like sheep, go along with. Out comes Pentagon Jr. He again berates Vampire, uh, Vampiro, pretty much calling him a coward. Vampiro tells him his name is Ian Hodgkinson, and he is not going to face Ian Hodgkinson at Ultima Lucha. And so Pentagon Jr. is visibly upset. He's circling the ring annoyed and all of a sudden Vampiro says because the one that's going to kick your ass at Ultima Lucha is Vampiro. Crowd goes nuts. Pentagon runs in and charges them but is goozled and choke slam. Crowd's going crazy. 
when Piro goes into the crowd of the fans are celebrating with him. Great, great moment, great segment. I really hope Vamp still has enough in the tank to make that a great match because the build-up has been insane. And with this kind of build-up, you just really want to hope that the match lives up to the hype, in, in other words. So I'm hoping, but this has been built up amazingly. Great job by everybody involved. Uh, next, we see Sexy Stars. It's in the back as he's gearing up, looks like, for a match. So he looks in the bag and then slowly pulls out a uh, Superfly's mask. As he looks saddened as he remembers the night she was forced to face him in a mask versus mask match, which we show a little clip of. And then uh, she puts the mask down and makes her way, I guess, out towards the ring. And then we switch and we see my future wife, Melissa Santos, announcing the match again for one of the Aztec medallions. This match is King Cuerno versus Killshot. <laughs> Funny, the fans do not like the babyface Killshot. They booed him badly when he was announced. Uh, Cuerno starts off strong. He looks early for the La Flecha de Infierno. But when he tries it, he's caught with a jump against Ziguri. Uh, Killshot and Cuerno overall just exchanging some big kicks in this match. At one point, Cuerno's on the apron. He delivers like a sidewinder suplex on the apron. That looked like it had to suck for Killshot. They continue to trade some nice spots. Quano then hits a reverse Frankensteiner. Killshot rolls to the floor. Quano now connects on the La Flecha de Infierno. Throws him back in the ring. Applies a modified surfboard and gets a submission. And wins the medallion. Two and a half stars. Really decent job here. I really like King Quano. And I hope to see him in a bigger role. Uh, if we get a second season. He's kind of been a mid-carder. And I think he should be more than that. That's a kill shot. <sighs> I think he's decent in the ring. I really do. Uh, but he's he's just lacking charisma. Uh, you know, he, he does all these good moves in the ring. And, you know, he's impressive. But I just get nothing from him. I, he's just a forgettable character. I, I don't really think the mask helps at all. Maybe it would be better if he got rid of the mask and just wrestled. You know, in his normal face. Maybe we get some facial, you know, uh, expressions from him, which might lead to a little more character. But I, I don't know. I just, I just find Killshot to be very forgettable. It's a shame because he, he's, a, he's a very good worker. We get our next match, which is our third match, also for one of the medallions. It's Superfly against Sexy Star. Before you can blink, Sexy gets him in a tilted with head scissors into a Fujiwara armbar, also known as La Mystica, a move made famous by Mystico, who you may know as the original Sin Cara, not the guy that got there now. Uh, Superfly taps immediately, one star, I mean, basically a squash. I think the match lasted a minute, if that. Uh, in the midst of her celebration, though, out walks Marty the Moth Martinez, who pie-faces Melissa and grabs her mic. I'm not happy about that. Uh, he goes into the ring and proceeds to tell Sexy that the medallion he has has the shape of a moth on it, and that signifies it's from his tribe. He demands Sexy give him a chance to win it and bring it back to his family. As he thinks about it, she accepts the challenge basically by going after him with some really bad offense. 
You know, it's funny um, how good Sexy Star looked in the early episodes. I mean, that was just great editing to make her look like so much better than she was. Because uh, I've seen Sexy Star since I saw her first on Lucha Underground and Triple uh, A. And she's not really a good worker. She's like a uh, bad WWE diva. <laughs> you know, not even like the NXT chicks, like the divas. Like She's not good. Very clunky. But her one thing that she does do good, she does us feel the high-flying stuff pretty well. And so that's how they edit. They edit, and if you notice, when she's wrestling, it's a lot of cutaways to the crowd and stuff like that. And it's just showing that her matches are heavily edited for television. But you know what? That works for a show like this. I mean, this is not an actual wrestling show, as I always say. It's a show about wrestling. And, you know, you can really put any actor in there, you know. And she's not totally inept. You know, she does her high, her head scissors and flying arm drags and stuff like that. She does pretty well. So, I mean, you can, you know, try to hide her shortcomings and highlight her good stuff. Uh, when you can edit the show the way they can. So, uh, back to where I was, which was the match. Star versus Marty the Moth Martinez. After some quick Lucha-style offense, Sexy goes for a crossbody from top. Marty catches her and slams her to the mat. Marty applies a figure four leg lock. She reverses the figure four. Marty gets the break, but then scoops her up. But as he does, she hits another La Mystica, and Martinez taps immediately. One and a half stars. Martinez actually got a little offense here. Not very good, and I'm not really sure the reasoning for this entire angle, other than to get her new submission hold over. I mean, maybe this La Mystica now is going to be her finisher, and they wanted to get it over by having her make two guys tap out, you know, very quickly. And if that was what they were doing, I guess they succeeded on that part, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see how they go forward with this. Go to commercial break, and after the break, we get a hard sell in Ultima Lucha, which here is the basic card at this point. It's Johnny Mundo versus Alberto El Patron, Dahano versus Blue Demon Jr., Angelico, Ivelisse, and Son of Havoc defend the trio's titles against the Disciples of Death, led by Katrina, Vampiro versus Pentagon Jr., Hernandez versus Drago, and the main event, Prince Puma versus Mil Muentes. Now, they didn't announce it, but I had thought they were going to have something about Darius saying an Ultima Lucha, well, something with the seven medallion winners squaring off to have won. And uh, we'll hear more about that in, when we talk about the next episode of Ultima Lucha. But for this one, this is all the matches they announced. Speaking of Dario, he's in the ring. And he calls to the ring Prince Puma and then calls for Milmuetes, neither are accompanied by their seconds. But as they're in the ring, we see Katrina appear at the top of the stairs watching. Puma and Mil were almost nose to nose before Dario needs to get in between them. And when he's doing this, he notices Katrina tells her to get out of there. She's not supposed to be out here. But she pays no attention and begins to descend the stairs as only she can. Then we see the disciples of death wheeling out a casket. Uh, <laughs> Dario starts running. And uh, Puma realizes he's in trouble here. And he starts hurling haymakers at Mill. Mill hits his deadly right hand. And then he and the disciples begin to stomp away at him. 
Conan enters the ring, really barely enters the ring. Uh, and I don't mean to laugh. I actually feel bad to see Conan uh, in such bad shape physically. Um, you know, I watched him in his prime as a wrestler. He was a very good one. And uh, his body's just broken down. He really uh, has trouble moving around, unfortunately. But uh, he does get in the ring. He falls back to the corner to use the ropes as a brace as the disciple of the death attack. And he takes him out one by one with his cane. But Montez grabs the cane and uses it on Conan. Katrina goes towards him, but Puma grabs her arm. But when he does it, he gets knocked out by another deadly right hand, courtesy of Mil Muertes. Uh This one completely lays him out. Uh, Katrina then leaves the ring using that Velvet Sky Let the Pigeons Loose maneuver, which had me completely mesmerized. Uh, but I digress. Conan struggles to his feet, only to have Katrina blast him with the rock. The disciples then roll Conan into the casket. Katrina slams the lid closed. As Milmuetas was holding Puma as he watched what happened, he now delivers a flatliner. And he poses with the belt as Puma's laid out and the disciples roll the casket away. Wow, that was really well done. Another excellent episode from these guys. Uh, you know, uh, there's still no official word on season two. Uh, but from what I hear, both parties want to do it again. But the issue is money, isn't it always? Uh, there is talk of trying to get another investor involved. Maybe Univision. Or possibly Netflix. Uh, it seems the issue is they have an offer for 40 more episodes to, uh, you know, return next season, but they won't get as much money for production as they did. And because Lucha Underground is the most expensive show that Elway produces, yes, it is their most watched show by far. But I guess the feeling is when they crunch the numbers, what they're paying in production is not matching what they're making off the show. So they want to continue the show, which has a very loyal following, but cut down on production values to gain better profit. But the guys that are running Robert Rodriguez and, and the likes that are running uh, Lucha Underground, they're like, well, you know, the whole reason why we're popular is because of these production values. That's why people love the show. So if we take that away, we very well can lose our core audience. So... You know, it's it's a big thing of, you know, okay, can we find a happy medium? Can we find somebody else to to jump in and bring money in? And, uh, you know, which would allow us to give you the financing that you want to run the show and still have us run the show at a profit. And so, and this is a lot of what happens. You will not notice, I, you know, another, I don't have a podcast about it, but I do kind of have a hobby about following television shows. And um, you'll be surprised how many really good shows uh, get canceled because of this very same problem. Just for an example, if you guys ever watched on Fox, there was a show Fringe, which was on for about five years. And they ended it. And they didn't want to end it. The writers still had a lot of stuff to go. But Fox just said, this show is costing us too much to make. Uh, yeah, we're getting great ratings for it. But the show, you know, what it costs to put out an episode, 
they were making a profit, but they can make more of a profit by finding another show that doesn't cost as much to make. And uh, you know, and that's what these networks are all about. It's all about profit. They could care less. Believe me, they could care less if they put a good show on. Their 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 problem is not we want to put on good programming. Their problem is we want to put good we want to put programming on that people watch, and doesn't cost us a lot to make, which is you know the way of television. So yeah, you know, I'll keep you guys informed anytime I hear anything because. I'm constantly trying to check to find out what happens because it will be a travesty if Lucha Underground does not return for season two. By my opinion, best show on television right now. So, uh, let's move on to Ring of Honor from July 22nd. This is the 200th episode. And this was basically a highlight show from the past 200 episodes with an eight-person tag main event. So, I'm not going to go over the old matches. You know, they showed, like, I think when the addiction won the belts and uh, some Lance Storm match from a couple years ago. Whatever. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm just going to, what's new is all I'm going to talk about. And basically what we had was we did get a new Inside Ring of Honor segment with Mandy Leon to go over the card for Death Before Dishonor and how... Read it off to you quickly. It is Adam Cole versus Dalton Castle, the Briscoes versus Wapongi Vice, Moose versus Cedric Alexander, AC Aches versus Adam Page in a no disqualification match, Four Corner Survival Tag Match as the Addiction defend the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships against Red Dragon, War Machine, and the Kingdom, and the main event. For the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship, Jay Lethal defends against Roderick Strong. I cannot even begin to tell you. I'll be very honest with you. And Ring of Honor always brings the goods. So I'm not thinking any match in the show is going to be bad. But I am so excited to watch Lethal versus Roderick Strong. Who, in my opinion, are the top two guys in Ring of Honor right now. And I really want to watch that match. Roderick Strong has been amazing this year. And Jay Lethal is just slowly becoming my favorite guy in the business. We get now that main event we talked about. It's the House of Truth versus the Briscoes, ODB, and uh, Roderick Strong. Uh, it's a pretty generic affair. You know, eight-man tag. You know my feelings on them. There's a lot of people running in, getting this stuff in, and then eventually one guy gets beat on. And in this case, it was... Jay Briscoe, who's they're getting the heat on for a while. Uh, one funny thing that I was noticed during this match is every time Jay Diesel got in the ring, he was met with Baby Tista chance. I chuckled heartily. Uh, he did look like a baby version of Batista. Very funny. Roderick Strong finally, after wanting the whole match to get a hold of him, gets lethal in the ring. Really goes to town on him. Uh, then at one point, a scrum breaks out. The Briscoes and Roderick are out on the floor, leaving a prone ODB at the feet of the entire House of Truth. So they start to move in. She pulls out the flask, takes the swig, and uh, holds them off until her partners can't arrive. Now everyone's in the ring battling again. Soon everyone is like doing dives on top of each other on the outside, except... 
for Truth Martini and ODB. She went up spitting some booze in the eyes of Martini, then schoolboys him for the three count. Two and a half stars. Meh. Very meh. Which really was what I thought of the whole show. For two and a half episodes, I, I hope for more than this. I guess one match which wasn't that good. And uh, highlights of some good matches, but matches, if you watch in Ring of Honor, you've seen already. Well, I'm sure Death Beyond for Dishonor is going to deliver, at least with that amazing main event. So, And now we're going to move on to our final show of the week, Lucha Underground. This is episode 39. We are one. We are officially we're two weeks away from Lucha Underground. But we'll get to that in, the, in a, a moment. The show opens in Dario's office. It seems to open up there a lot, doesn't it? And he's seen it with Big Rick. And Dario tells him he's lost his focus since being blinded by Davari's money. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, Dario gives Rick a final medallion and some cash so they can get back on the same page. As you can see, he wants uh, Rick to win this uh, title. For whatever reason, this uh, this seven medallions thing, which again we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, we'll go to the ring. It's an opening match: Johnny Mundo versus Tejano. Pretty good matchup for a a go home show. Uh, early in the match, Tejano hits a drop kick that Kazuka Okada would be envious of. Amazing height. Johnny winds up dragging Tejano halfway out the ring, then does a moonlight drive to the floor. Uh, these guys are really going hard in this match. Uh, Mundo really taking it to Tejano for a while. And Tejano comes back, hits a leg lariat for a two count. Mundo nails a springboard roundhouse to a crotch Tejano. Looks for Lafine Mundo, but Tejano avoids it. But then he looks for his powerbomb before he can execute it. The crew runs in and attacks him. Gets Johnny Mundo disqualified. Two and a half stars. Could have been much more with a clear finish. Uh, but, you know, the, the, you can't really expect that going into the uh, Ultima Lucha that, that they would give any main guy a loss. So, they're all... Now, what happens is uh, the crew is stomping out Dejano. Mundo joins them. And then all of a sudden, Alberto uh, El Patron races down the stairs for the save. Mundo, you know, heads for higher ground. But the idiot crew don't, and they wind up getting their butts kicked, and Tejano pulls out his bull rope and starts whipping the crew with it. We go back to Dario's office, where he's fixing a drink, as Hernandez is now sitting there. It's like everybody loves to sit in his office, huh? Now, he doesn't want a drink, so uh, Dario hands him a beer. And he talks about Ultima Lucha, and how his match with Drago is not going to be a regular match. He says he's getting tweets, and the believers hate Hernandez. Hernandez says it's actually the feeling mutual. So Darius is good, because he's going to surround the ring with fans holding leather straps with permission to use them if either he or Drago leave the ring. He calls it believer's backlash. Hernandez is not pleased, and he says he hopes Cueto has insurance. He says, if anyone tries to hit him, he'll paint the temple with their blood. Dario seems to like this. 
I found out a little weird too. You're running a show and you want your fans to get the, you know, have the, your fans' blood paint the temple. I know you like violence, but I don't think you want to kill your fans. Ergo, the ones that are paying you money. But, small plot hole. Believe me, in the world of wrestling, and you only have a small plot hole, it's almost like there's not one at all compared to what you see in some of the other federations. We get our next match, and it's a rematch from a couple weeks ago as the Mac faces Cage again. Cage is all over him in the beginning. But like last time, Mac just gets a quick roll-up for a win. Uh, one star just uh, didn't really have much to say about the match. That was it. The match ended like two minutes. After the match, they continued to brawl on the outside, which was much more fun than the match itself. Security trying to stop it, but both Mac and Cage are just tossing them away like rag dolls. Uh, Dario comes out and says, if they want to fight so bad, he will put all the items of the temple around the ring, and they can beat each other with them. He says he's not waiting two weeks. He's going to start Ultima Lucha next week, and it will go on for two weeks. And that show is going to open with Cage versus the Mac in this, I don't know, the temple match. I don't know. He didn't really give it a name. And, uh, you know, basically, I guess it's a false count anywhere match is what I'm guessing. Or maybe just some side of death match. We'll see. Uh, he didn't wasn't that clear about it. And then he says it's time for him to explain what these medallions mean. So we go to commercial. He comes back. Dio was in the ring. Got something under a red uh, velvet, uh, you know, covering. So you can't see what it is. And he unveils it. It's a title belt with seven spaces for the medallions. He calls it the gift from the gods. He explains this. Goes to whoever has all seven medallions in his possession. And it guarantees you a title shot at the Lucha Underground title. But you can't just cash it in. You have to give a one-week notice so he can promote the match. Also, if you take too long in announcing when you're going to take your title shot, you may have to defend the title belt against somebody else who could win it, and then they would own the title shot. So, you know, I guess it's almost like money in the bank Except they made it like a belt and could defend and, and lose the belt. So it's, you know, almost as if you made the money in the bank a title. It's pretty much what they're doing here. And it's interesting. I, I like this concept. I, I don't have a problem with it at all. So he calls out for the seven holders of the medallions as of now. We get Jack Evans, Aerostar, Sexy Star, Ben Gala, King Cuerno, and Big Rick. But no Phoenix. Who hasn't been seen. Uh, since his match with Milwaukee's. And uh, he has everybody put their medallions in the belt. And then sends them off. He notes that there was one missing. As Phoenix. Who won the very first medallion. But was destroyed. So now he has possession of the medallion. And he announces there will be a battle royal tonight. The winner gets the last medallion. This gets a spot in the seven-way match. 
But in his battle warrior explains, the last two men must fight to a pinfall submission finish, which I like. I like that war. Um, I have no problem with it. Uh, again, I just love this show because it's so random. It's always exciting stuff. It's always little changes to the norm, you know, and on the fly. It just keeps the show exciting. And then out walks Phoenix. With a weird outfit. He's got like a black, his regular mask. Well, it looks like his regular mask, but he's got like a black armor, armor all shirt. And I don't know, his regular, you know, Phoenix style pants. I don't know. He looked a little weird. In his getup. Maybe he lost his uh, gear. I don't know. But anyway. Dario tells him he's too late. To claim his medal. Uh, but. He will allow him to enter the battle royal. So we go to a commercial break. And when we come back. We have. The aforementioned battle royal. And OMG. It's a jobber battle royal. There's only. I can only see two people winning this. You know, if they announce anybody in the ring. That would be either Phoenix or possibly Mascarita Sagrada. I mean, there's nobody else that could possibly win. Uh, first to go out is Ricky Mandel, courtesy of Famous B. Famous B then eliminates Argenis. Killshot actually has a couple of nice moves here. And uh, he has a fantastic rolling color on Famous B. Then goes up top. But is pushed off to the floor by Delavar Davari. Davari uh, then eliminates Vinny Massaro. I forgot that Vinny Massaro was ever in each other ground. Uh, then Sagrada and Superfly wind up eliminating each other. Marty, the Moth, and Davari team up to get rid of Famous B. And that leaves the final three. It's Marty, Davari, and Phoenix. Phoenix winds up... Uh, reversing Davari, trying to throw him out, and wanted to throw Davari out. And now we will have a match between Phoenix and Marty Lamoth Martinez. Pretty back and forth affair. You know, Marty really isn't that bad in the ring. I know they will portray him as a buffoon, but uh, he, he's not bad in the ring at all. Uh, Phoenix winds up out of nowhere again, this really weird, awkward roll-up for the three count. For some reason, I feel like it was a botch here. Phoenix gets the win, and it's now in the Gift of the Gods match. I gave it two stars for the entire battle war, and I think I'm being generous. And then we go to our final segment, which is going to be Prince Puma is going to come out to address the crowd for the first time. And I was really wondering how they were going to do this. Uh, before he can talk, though, Milm Wetters and Katrina walk out to the top of the stairs. Puma lays down the title and motions for Mill to come on. They start walking down the steps when the disciples of death run in and attack Puma. But Puma takes out all three and just stares at Mill again with his arms outstretched like, what do you got? Uh, then he turns and hits a corkscrew plancha on all three of the lucha ghosts, as I call them. And bounces back in the ring and calls for Mill to come at him again. Well, Mill is furious. He runs down the stairs. He runs in the ring. They start to go at it. But this time it's Puma who's getting the better of the exchanges. And he has Mill down. He goes up top. Hits the 6.30 senton splash. And glares at Katrina. Who just stands there emotionless. Uh, the credits roll as Puma stands tall on the ring. 
holding the Lucha Underground Championship high. Okay, so Puma doesn't speak. I should have saw this coming. Still a fantastic segment. I am so hyped for next week and the start of Ultima Lucha. This is what I'm talking about. They just get it. Whoever's behind this, you know, I don't, I'm not sure who's booking, quote unquote, this, or if they just have Hollywood writers or whatever. But if they do, how come their Hollywood writers are so much better than Vince's? And I'll tell you why. Because the Hollywood writers come up with ideas and then Vince changes them to his own ideas anyway. Why Vince even has writers is beyond me. He just does what he wants to do anyway. And he's out of touch. This is absolutely the way wrestling's supposed to be booked. It's just great stuff. It's not always perfect. You know, nothing is always going to be perfect. But it's just really the best thing going today. And uh, that's our show. And I know it's a bit of a long one. And I hope you hung around and enjoyed listening. And until next time, when we'll be talking Ultima Lucha. And also, uh, probably we'll be talking some Ring of Honor, Death Before Dishonor. And don't forget to listen to Strong Style Podcast. As this week we begin the reviews of the G1 Climax. Big times. Uh, brand new microphone. Hope I sound good on it. <laughs> I know it's better than not hearing me at all, which is what happened the last time uh, I tried to record this podcast. So uh, until we meet again, thanks for listening and bye-bye.